Acts chapter 17, verses 16 to 34. While Paul was standing for them in Athens, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. He reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seemed to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and, his, and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, May we know more of this new teaching that you, are, that you are presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we want to know what they mean. All the Athenian and foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. Now what you worship is as something unknown, I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of, is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. He is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each, each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, We want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. A few men became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, and a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. I'm reading from Psalm 40, well, all of Psalm 46, found on page 559 in the, New, in the Old Testament of the Pew Bibles. God is our refuge and strength, and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. 
The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Our world is in turmoil. Every other day we hear about some new act of terrorism, some new atrocity in war, and right across our world the pace of change, of social change, is extraordinary. When I was growing up there was a great threat to our world. It was the threat of a global nuclear war. There were two sides. They both had enough nuclear weapons to blow us off the planet and the great fear was that they just might do it. But it was sort of an on-off switch. It might happen, but if it didn't, life would go on and be okay. Today, it seems, it's not on-off, but all the time. Turmoil all the time, and turmoil that has come close to us. I take it there were wars when I was growing up, but they didn't seem to impact on me. Today, Australia is involved in wars, and terrorism brings it closer to home, doesn't it? How do we feel about all of this? We feel insecure. We are fearful and we are not sure how to respond. This morning I want you to see from Psalm 46 that none of this is new for God's people living in this world. None of this is new, and more importantly, there is an answer. Psalm 46, the psalm that we've just read, page 559, is written for a world in turmoil, for God's people in a world in turmoil. You can see the turmoil there in creation, can't you, in verse 2. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. It's like an American disaster movie, the end of the world, creation itself imploding on itself, creation in turmoil. And then, verse 6, not creation, but uh, human nations. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. I think, as you read the poem closely, that it's verse 6 that is really confronting God's people at the time that it's been written. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. And he pictures that in verse 2, even though the earth give way and the mountains fall. Do you see the word there? Fall and 
kingdoms fall. Its waters roar, verse 3, and nations are in uproar. Actually, it's the same word. We've just changed it a little for the English translation. The reality is that God's people are confronted by kingdoms, by nations, by human powers who are attacking them. The human world is in turmoil, turned against God's people. And what is the answer? God is with us. You see it there, verse 7. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Again, verse 11. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Our God is with us. In this world of turmoil, in the enemies arrayed against us, our God is with us. He is our fortress. And what a God he is to have on your side. He is the Lord Almighty. Literally, he is the God of armies. And so when nations are in uproar against us, verse 6, he speaks. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. And this is not just a theoretical, imagine if God did speak and act. No, it says, verse 8, come and see. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. Come and see. In other words, God's people, know your history. See what our God who is with us has done before. He took on Pharaoh. He took on the waters of the Red Sea and he won. He took on the inhabitants of this land and he won. And as people have come to Jerusalem, I think shortly before this psalm was written probably, and attacked Jerusalem, besieged it, he spoke. And they were defeated. A world in turmoil, but God is with us. Come and see the works of our Maker. We know this greater than that, even. For when we say God with us, who do you think of? Emmanuel is the word, isn't it? God with us. And Jesus really is God with us. God come as a man into the world amongst his people and when the waters roared and there was a storm upon the sea, he said, quiet, be still. He took on our greatest enemies of sin and death and defeated them. And so we have confidence that he really will do verse 9, which seems so unbelievable. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. So many wars, which when you're in the midst of them, almost all of them seem to be endless. People talk about an endless war on terror, don't they? But God has brought every war that has ever happened to an end. It's just that more keeps starting. But God is the Lord Almighty. He will do what the Olympics will never do. He will bring all wars to an end. He will destroy weapons 
forever. Come and see the works of the Lord. And not just see his works, but know him. God speaks in verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. This is the sort of verse that you see on beautiful pictures of waterfalls and so on. And where to stop in our busy lives and to reflect and spend time in God's word and prayer. That's a good point to make, isn't it? We need to do that. But can you see that's not really the point here. God is not saying slow down from your busyness and spend time with me. He is saying be still amidst a world of turmoil that is against you and know this. I am God and I am with you. When you know that, then you do have a refuge and strength, don't you? You can do what it says at the beginning of the psalm. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Can you do that? Do you know this? When you hear the news on the radio or see it on the TV screens of yet another attack on innocent lives, do you know I am God and therefore you will not fear for you know that he will make all wars cease. When you see how marginalized the church is today, how rejected, how mocked and how small it is, can you be still and know that I am God and that he will build his church? When your own life is in turmoil, your family falls apart, you're engulfed in your own grief, you lose your job, can you be still and know that I am God and therefore you will not fear? In the ups and downs of life, the frustrations, the disappointments, in the fears of what might happen, your children get their driver's license and anything could happen, you're waiting to hear back on some medical results. Can you be still and know that I am God and not be afraid? Our world is in turmoil. But there is an answer. God is with us. And we need not be afraid. Well, it's not just, is it, that our world is in turmoil... But our local community is changing as well. It's partly that society generally is changing. The things that we took for granted a generation ago are no longer there. The way, the way our work lives bore out in life, the way family life was, that families stayed together and were essential for society, how men and women related to each other, whether men were men or women were women or not. 
those things have changed, haven't they? How you communicate with people has changed. Is there such a thing now as right and wrong? People's attitude to the church, society has changed. And that affects even us here. But as well as that, our local community is changing because there are simply more people now, aren't there? More people from outside the area and there are about to be many, many more, say 5,000 more people this side of the river. And what is the first thing you think of when I mention that? Traffic, isn't it? (laughs) Our community is changing and it affects every single one of us. I imagine there are some people who are excited about these changes but I haven't met any yet. (laughs) Some people perhaps don't care, but many of us are worried and some of us are resentful. How should we respond as Christians when our local community is changing? Well, Psalm 46 does not just show us that God is with us when our world is in turmoil. It's not just that God is with us, it's that God is with us in his place. Have a look there in verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. God was with his people in a place. It was the land, the promised land, but it was especially focused on a city, the city of God, Jerusalem. Was it an especially beautiful city? Was there a lovely harbour? No. Were the walls especially thick and strong more than any other city? No. What was it about this city? Verse 4, there's a river, it says. Actually, there wasn't a river. Not a river to speak of. I think it's a metaphor, an image. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. What do you mean? The holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. It's his city, his people are there, and he dwells with them, symbolized by the temple. God is with us in his place. And so it will not fall. We belong there, and we are secure there, the psalm says. Does God have a place now? It's not the city of Jerusalem, is it? The city has fallen many times since then. And Jesus himself spoke words of judgment on Jerusalem and it fell yet again. No, it is not Jerusalem, but God does have a place. He does have a city and it has almost the same name. It is the new Jerusalem. In the end of the Bible, in Revelation 20 and 21 and 22, there is a city coming down out of heaven. 
It is God's city with no temple because God himself is the temple there with his people. The gates are never shut because it's never night. There is no need to fear. Is there a river? Yes, the river of the water of life. God dwells there with his people. This property development apparently is a land worth waiting generations for. Red Bank, North Richmond. The New Jerusalem is the place worth waiting generations for, isn't it? And it's not just that Christians are waiting for this place, looking forward to this place, we already belong there. Hebrews 12, we have come to the new Jerusalem. Philippians 3, we are citizens of heaven. God is with us and God is with us in his place and that is where we belong. So how should we respond to our community changing? Well, we need to realize this is not our community. This place here where we are does not belong to us, does it? None of us here this morning are original residents of this community. Very few of us have been here for more than a couple of generations. And whenever we came to this community and thought that it had always been here, and that's why we moved here, because it was so nice... It was actually a change from what it was like the generation before. It was not always a semi-rural escape from the city. It used to be farming land. And before it was farming land, it was a bush. This place does not belong to us as if we owned it. But more importantly, we don't belong to this place. Yes, we like it. For many of us, it feels like our slice of heaven. But we do not belong here. We should not identify this as part of who we are. Hebrews 11 says that Abraham lived as a stranger in a foreign country. Why? Because he was looking forward to the city of God, the city that will not fall. So it's okay if your local community changes because it doesn't belong to you and because you don't belong here. That's terrifically liberating, don't you think? That gives you a terrific security. Do you know that security? So that you are not threatened by change. Could it be that as our community changes that you need to sit a little looser to our local community? Could it be that you need to identify more with our heavenly community? Could it be that as your local community is changing that is actually a gift to you from God to help you look forward to where you really belong? Our world is in turmoil, but God is with us, so we will not fear. Our local community is changing, but we belong to God's community. But there is more here in this psalm 
than just that it will be okay for us. There is more here than just be still and know that I am God, you have no need to fear. Verse 10 is a surprise to us, I think. We expect it to say, for God to say, be still and know that I am God. I am with you, so you have no need to fear. Because we think the psalm is about us, don't we? A word of reassurance to us, speaking to our fears. But what does verse 10 say? Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. In a world of turmoil, when your local community is changing, what is it all for? Where is it all going? What's the purpose of it all? Is there one? Yes. God has a purpose, and it is the same purpose he always has throughout all of history. I will be exalted. His purpose is to show his glory, that his glory be recognized. We saw it in the Lord's Prayer, didn't we? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so in Psalm 46, as the nations approach Jerusalem, as they're in turmoil and attacking God's people, God says, I will lift my voice, the earth will melt, and I will show that I am God. I will be exalted. This side of Jesus, it's different, isn't it? It's not that God is fighting for his people and defeating the enemies and showing that his people are his people. Now, what did Jesus say? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I'm with you always. So, go and make disciples of all nations. For I will be exalted among the nations by people trusting me and becoming my people. What should we be doing in a world of turmoil and a local community that's changing? Making disciples. Is it possible to do that when you're in a world in turmoil? Well, more than ever, people want a good and strong leader, don't they? More than ever, people want unity and peace in the world. More than ever, people want someone who will have authority over death. More than ever, Jesus is relevant. People want a refuge, a help in times of trouble. Yes, it's possible to make disciples now. Is it possible when your local community is changing and people's slice of heaven seems to be disappearing before their eyes? Yes, the gospel of Jesus offers hope and a secure city. And what's more, God is bringing us a wonderful opportunity. Thousands of new people are coming to our area. How should we think about this? Is this a threat to our lifestyle? Will it bring more traffic? Yes, but more importantly, here is a wonderful opportunity. Jesus said, go and make disciples, and now he is bringing more people 
to us to make disciples. In Acts 17, one of our passages this morning, it says that God sets the exact places where men and women should live. Yes, the council decides where houses can be built and they've decided that more will be built in our area. But who decides really? It is God. And why? So that they might seek out and reach out for him and find him. This is why I love our Just Moved ministry where we knock on the door and say good day to new people who've moved into our area. Here is an opportunity and we want to reach out to people. This is why we want to get the baby boomer generation people of our church together to consider and encourage one another to reach out to other baby boomers moving into our area. This is why, as I'm interviewing at the moment for our new assistant minister, I'm not just looking for someone who's gifted and passionate with youth ministry, but for someone who will be able to reach out to the thousands of new residents in our area, someone who in time will lead us and help us to start a new congregation in North Richmond. Here is a wonderful opportunity. Can you see it that way? A few months ago, our Prime Minister said that there had never been a better time to be an Australian. It was an upbeat, optimistic sort of thing to say, but most of us weren't convinced, were we? We're in a world of turmoil. Our community's changing, and you're saying there's never been a better time? There's never been a better time to be still and know that I am God and that God is with us and that we have nothing to fear. But as well as that, there's never been a better time to make disciples, has there? In a world of turmoil, people want security and Jesus offers it. In a changing community, people want Hope, and Jesus offers it. And on top of that, God is bringing thousands of people so that we might make disciples. There has never been a better time for our church to be making disciples. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that in this world of turmoil, and as our local community is changing, that you are our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. We thank you that you are with us. And what's more, you are with us in your place. So, Father, help us to identify with that place, to long and look forward to that place, to know that we belong there in the new Jerusalem. And Father, we thank you for this promise from you that you will be exalted among the nations. Father, we thank you that you've been doing that since Jesus sent out his disciples amongst the nations. And Father, we thank you for this time and this place where we have the opportunity to make disciples 
and so exalt you among the nations. We pray this in Jesus' name.